0: Welcome to the Africa Tech Summit podcast, sharing insights from across the African tech scene. Today's episode is part of our Africa Climate Tech Summit series, which is kindly supported by Mercy Core Ventures and Pure Carbon in partnership with the 6th D. Stay tuned for great insights and a discount code to join us at the Africa Climate Tech Summit in Nairobi.
1: My name is Boko Inundo, founder of the 6th D. And in today's episode, we're exploring the delivery of affordable, clean cooking fuel in Kenya and beyond with Greg Murray, who's CEO and co-founder of Coco Networks. So, Greg, perhaps give us a little ba- bit of background to you, uh, your role at Cocoa Networks and the business that you lead.
2: Sure. And thanks, Boko, for uh, inviting me on. Um, so, uh, so I'm uh, originally Australian and have been... Um, uh, investing in and in building uh, ventures in emerging markets uh, for the best part of the last decade and uh, sorry two decades and and uh, uh, based in east Africa um, over the last decade uh, uh, focused on on uh, on building out uh, cocoa um, along with my co-founders and, uh, and a team that's grown to about two thousand people now um, across across east africa and india um, uh, you know cocoa is is a is a climate tech company um, that, um, that uh, has built a, um, a suite of uh, hardware uh, and software technologies as well as an operating platform that um, addresses one of the um, sort of these grand challenges of development that hasn't quite worked out in the last sort of 40 years. The, 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 the need to solve for um, residential heat in the African context yeah, and and, uh, and by that I mean I mean the the heat that goes into your food, yeah, so cooking energy, um, which has been you know dominated by charcoal, um, uh, which is which is produced through deforestation at scale, uh, and so uh, so so that is the big problem statement. It's it's roughly a billion tons of of, of carbon emissions, two million hectares a year of deforestation, and about seven hundred thousand deaths per year from indoor air pollution uh, across Africa. Really big problem statement. The only thing before we came along that's actually achieved any sort of success from a um, market share perspective, if you define customer market share, the only thing that's actually worked has been LPG, yeah, um, uh, so fossil gas, Um, and that's really only worked with a small subset of wealthy people in in cities that are able to afford um, unsubsidized fossil gas, yeah, And, and so... That's the environment. The trees take up the slack. The forests take up the slack and provide, um, you know, something like, uh, you know, eighty-five percent of Kenya's um, Kenya's uh, 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 cooking energy needs. Uh, 80, 87 percent of Uganda's, ninety-five uh, percent of Rwanda's, and, and the story goes on. So, what we've done is build this operating platform. We we uh, retail um, uh, low-cost bioethanol cooking fuel through a dense network of uh, about 2500 high-tech fuel atms located in small corner stores across 11 cities in kenya uh, and we, we we retail that fuel um to uh, to over a million households now something like 1.1 million households now um uh, uh and uh and then consumers are able to get the same sort of clean blue flame cooking experience as gas but but safer cheaper faster better uh and we have a fleet of micro tankers that does the distribution to the fuel atms infrastructure and fuel trading partnerships and so on and uh, the um, the the significant emissions reduction that occurs through switching households um, at, at scale at a nationwide scale uh, from from dirty fuel to clean fuel are um, uh, audited uh, and uh, monetized through sales into global compliance and voluntary markets um, uh, and that that provides the non-government economic subsidy that enables us to uh, lower the price of the uh, the appliances lower the price of the fuel um, below cost. Yeah? So share the carbon revenue with households, with communities at scale, uh, in order to um, in order to uh, undercut uh, dirty fuels and use carbon as a blunt force, you know, instrument to drive energy transition and forest protection. Um, in the same way that LPG subsidies have been used in Brazil, Indonesia, and India which are relatively wealthy places, we are using a non-government carbon funded economic subsidy, right, to drive energy, prote- energy transition and forest protection. So uh, the playbook is similar to what's occurred in England, America, um, uh, middle-income nations that are wealthier, um, but it's being applied in low-income tropical forest nations that have not been able to afford LPG subsidies and therefore uh, are, are still um, uh, driving massive deforestation through charcoal, um, and are looking for an alternative solution that is fundamentally lower cost, um, that can uh, that's not a fossil fuel, right? Uh, that, that can actually lower emissions and also a solution that can deliver uh, uh, farmer incomes, right? Because of course, bioethanol is produced um, uh, with with the rural economy, with producers, uh, upstream farmers uh, across uh, East
1: Africa. Interesting. And plus the health benefits as well that you speak of with the, the, that figure of 700,000 deaths, um, is personal for me because, you know, I watched my, my grandparents and, uh, you know, cooking, uh, with charcoal or, or wood, um, in a very rural part of, of Kenya. And, and when you see the, the reality of life using those fossil fuels, um, on a consistent and constant basis, uh, the implications are, are severe. Um, but be- before, before we, uh, wrestle with and, and investigate um, the market you're operating in. Uh, I just want to ask, what, what's the inspiration behind an Australian um, spending his uh, career and, like you say, a couple of decades um, uh, entering this particular market, operating in Kenya and doing what you do? What, where, 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 what's the foundation and wellspring, if you like, of your inspiration to be doing what you do now?
2: Um, sure. Um, I mean, so, so when I, I've been studying carbon markets for 25 years since I was a you know, 17 year old in a suit out of, out of school, um, uh, uh, working in a, um, uh, working as a, as a junior in a, in an accounting firm in KPMG. Um, but within the, think of it as like the family, family owned business division, you know, small businesses, two to $50 million revenue type privately owned businesses. And we were looking after their, Tax accounting, audit advisory, normal normal stuff, um, and a um, a particularly far sighted client of mine, an uh, uh, elderly, uh, uh, in fact, elderly Jewish couple that had emigrated out after the war. Um, uh, he, I, I mentioned they're Jewish because he was actually in Auschwitz and had had, had the tattoo and everything. And uh, he was a fantastic. Uh, they've passed since, but he was a fantastic uh, uh, filmmaker. Um, he set up a film studio in Sydney, and so that was the business that we were on. But I was looking after as a as a junior. I was looking after their uh, uh, their personal affairs and the uh, his wife who who uh, she rang me up one day and said, "Look, have you have you heard about these carbon credits things?" I, said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just a child. Um, and and uh, she said, "Well, look," um, <laughs> um, she said, "Look, there's this thing called the Kyoto Protocol that's just been passed, and you know, and uh, you know, as you know, we've spoken about the environment. I really care about the environment, and, and uh, you know, I think it might be possible one day to." You know to buy a, a, a patch of land um and then and plant you know reforest um uh, with native species and then use these things called carbon credits to pay for it and i thought she was you know um you know cra- crazy right i mean what are you talking about um but uh, she said look you're a bright young thing can you make me a spreadsheet you know how to do those things and can you investigate this and so i i i went and got the time approved by the partner i was working for at the firm and and uh, and spent about a month just going deep on it and, and just got hooked. You know, I, I, uh, I thought, well, this is, um, this is really interesting. If you study the history of emissions trading schemes and, you know, if you start getting, um, if you start thinking, um, um, uh, broadly around the sorts of things that might be built with this non-government economic subsidy. Yeah. Um, uh, particularly if you start applying that to places that don't have money, um, which, which is, which is the interesting, you know, the interesting thought pattern, um, and, and, uh, and so, you know, I, 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 in my early 20s, I spent two years um, sort of hunting down uh, environmental entrepreneurs uh, in, in Latin America, in Asia, in Africa. So I spent a lot of time in South and East Africa visiting folks and saying, okay, well, imagine you had this, uh, you know, this, this non-government economic sub, you know, imagine somebody sort of dropped the green genie on your head for, for delivering environmental outcomes. What do you actually do with the money? Yeah. So what's your business model? What is your theory of change? What are the activities on the ground that occur? that you do with this, um, and how, how real is it? And, and, and um, and yeah, there, there was some really interesting things. Um, but there was also a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, um, you know, things that are just, just not that interesting, um, not that scalable, small scale community-based stuff. That's nice, but, but ultimately, you know, and I'm a, I'm a capitalist and I, I, I sort of believe in the power of business to, to, to scale and, and, you know, tech enthusiast, I, I grew up during the sort of you know, the, the 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 tech mini boom at the turn of the century we had one in Australia it wasn't just Silicon Valley right and sort of seeing what might be possible with technology so putting those two things together so well okay what what sort of clean technologies are out there um, and we came up with a bunch of ideas um, and yeah I ended up I ended up setting up a a, a small investment company with um, with my business partner Sagun Saxena um and, and uh, we're the founding investors in 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 coco and in other ventures um prior to that um and and so it was it was but it really it was it was uh, 2005 when i was uh, wandering around in southern and eastern africa um and seeing this vast amounts of charcoal when I mean, you go out in the rural areas and, and often it's the only soft commodity that's flowing you you, you know because you're, you're from kenya originally and, and you know, it's, it's often, you know, it, order of magnitude larger than the actual agricultural soft commodities in terms of what's on the bicycles and the trucks actually coming into the cities. And this was sort of an invisible, invisible online. If you're just doing your, your sort of research online, you can't really see the, the physical flows of this energy commodity. So I just, I got curious about it. Well, what, what, you know, clearly it's destructive. Um, we went and spent time with environmental science uh, folks and the, the health folks, and they, they knew it was so destructive, but they didn't really have any, any game plan around it and you go and talk to the development industry folks um they also don't have a game plan around it uh, uh you know the best they could come up with was gas subsidies but then you look at you look at um the balance sheet of these nations right the the, the, the indebtedness the, the the demands upon the the treasury um and you try and you try and imagine a future where um you know where the uh, cooking infra giveaway program that the americans did I and mean, america's a America, land of the free, is a welfare state when it comes to cooking energy infrastructure, as is the UK, as is Australia. It was all publicly funded, this stuff. So you look at the history of how this problem was solved around the world and you you quickly come to a point of view that it ain't going to be copy-paste and there's a need for innovation. Um, And that's that's where we started. We said, okay, LPG is not going to get there. Um, Piped gas is certainly not going to get there because that's more expensive than LPG. Electricity is not going to get there, unfortunately, because that's the most expensive way of producing heat, as we all know, you know, decarbonizing heat is really, really hard. Even now, the uh, Americans are giving $830 free to households to switch from gas to induction electric, right? So that giveaway program continues with the IRA, right? And, and so you look at that and you go, okay, well, there needs to be something that is is is, is ultra clean, that's modern, but is a bit different pathway from what's scaled in, in, in the West because there simply isn't the, um, the, the money. Um, there isn't the money in the aid industry. There isn't the money um, in the in the uh, development space. The national governments don't really have the money, and um, and somewhat uh, somewhat um, uh, hypocritically, perhaps the financiers of those host nations um, are no longer permitting that fossil fuel subsidies in low income countries. So, so you know that pathway is actually you know actually blocked off as well. And so, if you look at those things together, you say, okay, well, there needs to be something fundamentally new built. That was where it started, and it took it took a long time of, you know, investing in R and D um, to come up with uh, with, you know, the notion that we could actually use um, bioethanol riding on the top of the existing liquids infrastructure with a suite of, you know, of, of new technology built to manage the last mile. That was basically um, it was from that sort of bottom up analysis from from initially from spending just a huge amount of time diving into the drivers of deforestation and realizing that the You know, commodity drivers are the thing, and across Africa, the 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 vast majority of the problem is local demand for heat that goes into food.
1: Interesting, interesting, and interesting that it's um, like you say, it's it's something that. Uh, other regions in the world have effectively uh, put in place um, to try and encourage that transition, uh, albeit the dynamics of uh, a market like Africa, or I know you operate in India, will will, will have its nuances. Um, I guess uh, you you talk about game plan, and and I guess my next couple of questions will be trying to sort of unlock and reveal that game plan as far as Cocoa Networks is concerned. Uh, My first question is, uh, who are your investors? And and you giving me a sense of, if you like, your relationships with them and their expectations in terms of how you all collectively measure success for, for the delivery of uh, Cocoa Networks' um, utility to 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 the ultimate consumer. Um, who who are your investors and and a little bit of context and colour and texture around your relationships with them?
2: Sure, um, we have a lot of shareholders. Um, yeah, it's been a been a long grind to. You know, who founded the company in what, 2013, 2014, uh, we, we, we had some capital to invest ourselves to really get it off the ground. But ultimately, um, I think back then, if you look at, you know, if you look at venture capital and, and strip away, you know, impact investors, for example, or the development finance industry, if you just look at sort of technology venture capital back then, it might have been 30, 50 million dollars coming into Africa per year. That was it. Um And and, uh, now it's, you know, five, six billion, whatever the number is, Um, the reports keep on coming out every year. But, um, you know, clearly, um, clearly, if you wanted to have a capital formation strategy that was predicated on, you know, going after VCs, you'd have a a bit of an uphill battle because the funds hadn't formed back then. So we've been doing this sort of for longer than Africa's had venture capital, um, for longer than VC has done climate um you know it's it's uh and so the strategy became um from the outset became capital owners not capital managers yeah and and so you know should there be funds that form at some stage um with a mandate that fits you know an odd duck like us um who might they get as investors that was sort of the, the 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 thesis and why don't we just cut out the middleman and go directly to the capital owners and get them to invest directly um in this in this uh you know what was what was back then a grand experiment, um, uh, and uh, and so so that's what we did, and so we we have um, a wide range of investors that are um, that are uh, uh, family office, that are VCs that have since formed, um, that that are corporates. You know, Microsoft. Uh, we are the first emerging markets direct investment they made. Um, so typically, they've been doing climate tech in, in, in Europe and US. Um, and, uh, and they, they decided to, to take a plunge into Africa and India with us. Um, uh, and so, so, but yeah, it's, it's a mixed, it's a mixed group. Um, most of our investors don't have websites, um, uh, are not actively soliciting, um, uh, you know, business plans, et cetera, from, from founders, um, uh, uh and it's, it's been through, um, you know, a hundred plus shareholders, kiss 10,000 frogs to, to assemble them. You, you, you know, the drill, it's a, uh, it's a grind, but, um. That's that's been the process, and know, uh, yeah, and, and for the first you know for the first five years, I mean, we had 500 staff before we had revenue five years into our existence. Wow. Yeah, so so and we're doing you know hardware. If you look at even the five six billion dollars into you know African VC, you know last year, you know filter out the people that do hardware, or filter out you know what is the proportion of that to do hardware? You probably you know you're probably a tiny micro portion, right? Um, it, it really is a, so you know, the, the sort of, um, one of our American, uh, investors, said, you know, he said, look, you guys are doing the stuff that Silicon Valley used to do before they, but, but, you know, went back when they made Silicon, right. Like, like, um, <laughs> back in the old days. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's difficult because there's not, there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of that sort of embedded hardware, software sort of systems, uh, uh, you know, r&d labs these sorts of things that we had to build from you know, from scratch but that that infra doesn't exist the capital uh, ecosystem around it doesn't really exist it's changing but um but but uh, yeah so that was it was uh, hard work um uh, we've been able to um you know raise a lot of money we don't publish uh, our funding rounds um uh, quite intentionally um uh, because of the uh, markets that we operate in um but Uh, It's been a typical sort of build-raise, build-raise type process that most most tech startups go through.
1: Interesting, interesting. And and actually, throughout uh, our conversation so far, you've referenced, um, uh, uh, if you like, a lot of the challenges that the consumer faces, whether it's from a health perspective or affordability perspective, as you create this, if you like, new energy system on the ground in places like Kenya. Um, I'm going to ask actually more the opportunities as you look ahead um, and where you... Where you see um, uh, opportunities for, uh, if if you like, even further growth for cocoa networks, um, and and so that's uh, perhaps looking at. Uh, New market entry, or even deeper penetration in places like Kenya, um, and and also perhaps around the product development that you, you 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 no doubt will be continuously delivering in order to improve the efficiencies for 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 the consumer. As much as you can tell us, because I appreciate some of this question may be sensitive. Uh, what what what's the future look like from an opportunities point of view, and or if you want to talk to further challenges that you 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 wished were unlocked as you try to scale do do reference those two sure so
2: i mean so we're we we have a pretty um ambitious um, uh, plan achievable but ambitious plan to um to scale what we're doing within this core sort of fuel and carbon um platform um both within kenya and and beyond kenya into new, new countries um because we're building a new new energy industry, quite quite literally, that doesn't exist and can't exist without customized policy, um, really a lot of the the, uh, the challenges are around working uh, collaboratively with host nations to create legislation that enables us to, you know, you can't just turn up and do this business. Um, you usually you have to spend the time writing the enabling standards, figuring out the regs, figuring out the fiscal treatment so that you're not penalized versus, versus um uh, dirty charcoal from, from the forest, for example. And, and, uh, and so, um, so, so big push around, um, the public policy front, um, um, to create that enabling legislation that enables us to come and invest as a, as a, as a climate investor in, in into, into building, building this, um, this, this industry in, in, in their countries. Um, so there's, there's that. And then, um, and then beyond that, there's, um, you know, there's, there's just a, a range of interesting um, opportunities that arise when you're, you know, when you're, um, sort of a, a large platform, like today, for example, we have, we have, um, uh, over a third of all homes in the Nairobi metropolitan region are on our energy utility, right? So we're the largest, um, uh, you know, largest provider of residential heat in Nairobi, right? That's, that's, that's the fact today. And, and, uh, and those customers, um, they come every day, every week with, with their cocoa smart canisters to the fuel ATM. So they come in, in person by foot into cocoa branded shops, using their cocoa wallet to buy, you know, we have call centers and we have you know fleets of of, of, of trucks and warehouses and agent network management team and marketing team. you know, we have all of that um, uh, which, which has been um, built and is required to be built to solve for a single fast moving consumer good, which is, which is fuel, right? Fuel is a, portable fmcg just like others uh, other fmcgs and so you know clearly if you've if you've you know if you're a technology entrepreneur and you're looking at you know looking at the difficulties with um last mile retail last mile financial services last mile content connectivity last mile everything in these in these cities right um there's an opportunity to um, leverage um that that um customer relationship that really strong brand that network of retail shops, um, you know, to, to leverage that to, to deliver other physical and digital goods and services. Uh, and so that's a clear area that we're um, moving into. Um, we've been really focused on getting the, 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 the core business, um, uh, you know, scaling, um, and, and, uh, and it has now and it's, it's really working quite smoothly. Uh, and so, so testing out, for example, you know, a hundred of our shops are selling flour, maize meal, sugar, rice. You know, lowering the cost of food in the same way that we've lowered the cost of fuel. You know, that's something that you know is probably difficult to achieve as a standalone business, given low margins on these commodities. But as an add-on to to our business, um, as a you know, if you take a, um, a telecoms lens, you know, it had voice and data and mobile money, but it was ultimately one network um, uh, that was that was enabling. That's that's really the same. You know how our, our voice and data and mobile money is is you know certainly fuel and then certainly food but then you know x y and z is the other the other value-added services that, so, so quite an active R and D labs um that we have uh, which is where all this technology was birthed um we have we have those lab facilities and team across kenya and india um and uh, some fun stuff going on in there that we that we suspect will be um just as just as impactful um, just as interesting commercially as the core fuels and carbon business.
1: Interesting, interesting. And, and so you, you, you've got this, um, engine of innovation if you like that you're clearly investing in uh, and, and, and looking to realise value from um, but you're also working with uh, a number of partners to enable this the delivery side to actually happen so I appreciate you've got uh, relationships with like, likes of Vivo Energy uh, in terms of getting getting the fuel to to consumers in Kenya uh, whilst at the same time you, you've got relationships with international banks in those compliance markets through which you sell those carbon credits which is another ton of work i'd imagine in terms of establishing those relationships uh, can you give us a little bit of context to the formation of those partnerships um what kind of uh, how you approach forming those partnerships which can I, i'd imagine take sometimes years to form um and 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 what's worked particularly well particularly in a kenyan context perhaps um so so those listening mm. can 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 learn from your experiences in that sense
2: Sure. Um, so, I mean, so, so the, the, the problem around um, dirty cooking fuel, this sort of grand challenge, um, you know, it, 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 there's a time and money problem. Um, um, the, the, the public coffers are not sufficiently, you know, the, 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 the governments don't have the money yeah, to do the giveaway program that happened in the West or in in, rather it happened in advanced nations and wealthier nations. Right. So there isn't the ability to subsidize. Um, and even if there was the ability to subsidize, um, then it took 70 years to build the reticulated gas network in, in, you know, in London. Right. Um, it was, you know, it it took a really long time. and, And so that's the time problem. Um, you know, right now, unfortunately, um, if you look at a city like Nairobi, the per house cost of the pipe the hypothetical pipe, exceeds the average cost of the house, right? It, it, it's a poverty problem. And and so whilst I'm an optimist about Africa's future, I'm also a realist about the time it's going to take for that fundamental equation to change and about the time that we have to actually protect the forest, which if you talk to the tropical forest scientists, you know, there's 15 years left to, to, to bend the curve on tropical deforestation. So if you wait for that poverty equation to change in Nairobi before you start addressing the fuel switch required to reduce the pressure from the forests, then the forests are buggered, and it ends up looking like Lagos, right? Where where wealthy people use LPG and everyone else uses kerosene, right? And and uh, and so the future we, we we realized this over a decade ago. The future of of urban African cooking is actually liquids, and um, unfortunately, it's going to be the liquids that are there, which is the kerosene. Right, makes your chapati taste like kerosene. It's a terrible way to cook. It kills your family. Right, it's it's not, but it's it's there and it's lower cost. Right, and and, and so, you know, what if there was more a more sensible liquid? What what if, you know and and to solve that t- time and money problem, um, we we said well we can't af- no one you know, this, the country can't afford to build the infrastructure. It's not possible. What if we could? What if we could treat the existing infrastructure as a major asset for forest protection by utilizing it, pretending like we owned it utilizing and riding over it um uh, with a more sensible liquid fuel one that's actually clean renewable produced through by by farmers right and and uh and so ethanol is a really well understood commodity around the world it's not a new magic substance right the molecule is really well understood from a safety and handling perspective uh what what was was really tricky was figuring out how you know beyond the petrol stations how do you actually get into the last mile um and that was what we realized we had to build customized technology around but we you know the opening assumption um in our uh, in our in our sort of hypothesis a decade ago pretend like you owned the the downstream fuels infrastructure the hundred billion dollars worth of liquids infrastructure that exists across tropical forest nations low income tropical forest nations i mean there's there's four hundred and eighty petrol stations in Nairobi alone. no one needs to build a new site where big trucks in come in put liquids and vehicles come You know like that's built you know and, and, uh, and of course, we don't own those we don't own that infrastructure back to your question, right? And, and uh, um, we just we just hypothetically pretended that we did. And then the, then the task was, okay, well, let's go and figure out how we can partner with the actual owners of it so that we can figure out a, um, a, uh, a commercial relationship that enables them to participate in the energy transition, which they're all seeking to do, yeah? And, and uh, them to do that in a way that is value accretive for their shareholders. Um, and so that was that was the start of a very long journey. As there was, you know, guys in our garage iterating on the hardware prototypes, and our software engineers iterating on on, on the software. Um, you know, me and the commercial team were out there iterating on the, you know, how do we actually get these guys into partnership with them? What is it that they, uh, you know, what is it that they? How, how might they think about this? And, and asking them over years and years and years questions really, and getting all of their pushback, and, and then creating creating really a, a think of it like a, a business and and, and technology API that enables integration with the downstream players um, in a way that makes sense for them in a way that makes sense for us. And so that's that's exactly what we did. We, we're, we're proud of our partnership with Vivo Energy. Vivo is the company which owns all of the shell and Engen stations across Africa. So 3,900 stations in 27 countries, I think they're up to um, and uh, and so, you know, clearly, um, clearly uh, the ability to scale beyond Kenya with them um, and uh, uh, and, uh, and, 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 certainly a plan to do that in some of those nations with them. Um, so that was, that was a, you know, that was really around a business model thing, um, uh, in terms of, in terms of needing infrastructure partners. If we don't have infrastructure partners that own that, you know, that, that massive capex that's already gone in, um, then we don't have a business, right? So that's a bit different from other people's businesses that, that might do solar home systems or something, right? You don't need, you know, you don't need a partner that that has stations. You maybe maybe they're useful as a sales point or something. But whereas we're in the we're in the business of large scale flammable liquids, right? And and uh, and I didn't really want to have to go and spend hundreds of millions of dollars building my own parallel infrastructure if we could just go and utilize the existing infrastructure at marginal. You know, there's fifty thousand liter tanks under existing Shell stations. Right, and that's a tiny bit of CapEx with that piece of our hardware on the top, a smart depot system that turns that shell station for our purposes into a micro depot that our micro tanker fleet then can then use for the back and forth last mile, things like that, that we architected with them um, in a way that uh, makes commercial sense for them, makes commercial sense for us. Um, and so that was that, that particular partnership. Um, but this concept of partnering with large companies, um, I mean, that's part of our DNA. And that also comes in useful, within the global carbon markets, um, both compliance and voluntary. Um, and so we have a, a number of partnerships with, um, groups that, um, uh, uh, that, that, that finance trade or, or, are off, or in partner buyers of our, of our, uh, credits, um, that have done the diligence technically, financially, reputationally on us, uh, understand exactly how we're using carbon to drive energy for, for energy, energy transition to drive forest protection and, uh, keen to uh, help that scale uh, exponentially continue to scale exponentially um and so so yeah the the sort of the, the the you know the founders have all worked with very large organizations and very large companies before um in, in various roles um so we sort of were comfortable navigating um the, the big corp um and and uh uh, and so that happens across different parts of the business basically
1: and and, and on that on that latter part with, with the compliance and voluntary markets around carbon credits have you have you in in your work seen um, fundamental challenges as a result of the carbon credit scandals over the last period of few months and years or are you working with partners who have done that due diligence and therefore this is re- they're relatively protected from if you like the 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 negative um outcomes that 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 scandals like that create.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's um, there's a lot of you know net zero fever happened around about COVID, right? A lot of people. My thesis is that people went home for a few months and started thinking about systemic risk, um, and you know had a break. You know, this one health risk came along, and then started thinking about well, what other systemic risk. And so, I, you know, whatever the theory is, but but you know, three years ago, um, uh, working on climate uh, and carbon became a bit more mainstream um, than, than it was, um, you know, 20 years ago when we started, uh, working on it. And, and, uh, um, and so that's really welcome, but it also, it brings a lot of, um, um, confused voices that are amplified by social media it brings a lot of, um, we, we all know, we all know how, um, different, different funding agencies, different companies have been able to weaponize social media to push their own narratives. Um, so a lot of that's going on in the carbon, carbon space as well, um, a lot of it's focused on this this voluntary market, right? Which is, um, which is, you know, which is a market that is, um, you know, strange. Um, you know, it's it's predicated on sort of voluntary taxation, um, right? Which is which is not not something that CFOs are trained to do. Um, yeah, um, yeah uh, you know, and and uh, um, whereas our thesis and, and and really our focus has been on compliance markets throughout, yeah, and so the. You know, compliance emissions trading is is is, um, is large scale, established. You know, there was nine hundred billion dollars of carbon traded last year. Two billion was was voluntary. The rest was compliance. right? So compliance is um, not not the public affairs market. It's not the CSR economy. It's not the um, the land of grand press releases. It's 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 really around um, uh, re- you know reducing internally or paying a fine or buying an offset as a as a tax credit. Against that, against that fine, right? That's that's the three options that a CFO is faced with, and and so if you look at it at an economy-wide scale, um, emissions trading is really, really effective. You know, Europe Europe has reduced emissions by forty-one percent um, as a result of the European emissions trading scheme, which is the oldest. Uh, UK's uh, has been effective as well. Obviously, pri- previously part of Europe, um, um, whereas the the voluntary uh, markets have this sort of thesis of the firm. Yeah. So, so it's all about the firm and what the firm does rather than what the economy does. Um, and so, you know, it's about my supply chain emissions and about my personal footprint as a company, right. Versus, um, versus economy wide emissions, which is what the, um, regulator of Japan is thinking through, right. As they introduce their compliance emissions trading schemes with the regulators in Europe and Brussels are thinking through, um, whereas in America, um, you know because of the red versus blue blue um, um, uh, uh, you know ongoing um, toxic political atmosphere it's just difficult to get a federal carbon price up and so uh, instead they just throw massive amount of, of, of you know free government money the inflation reduction act right and uh, that's that's their tool to decarbonize but most most governments don't have the money printer and they can't do that and so so they they have to find a more cost-effective way to drop economy wide emissions. And that's where emissions trading came from. So that's, uh, that's what I've been studying for 25 years, doing it for every decade. And, and, um, and uh, um, yeah, what's, what's reasonably new is, um, is, uh, is the consumer, you know, the 25 year old at the pub um, having a point of view on it, whereas before they wouldn't have understood it. Um, they were where I was back in you know, a 17 year old trying to let me know. as was like, how does it all work? Right. Um, what's new is, um, you know, is, uh, is the concept of, um, you know, a lot of the um, sort of the sociali- socialism versus capitalism stuff is coming out. Um, that's that's been at the cops. I've been going to cops for for, for for two decades. You always see sort of an anti-markets crowd that say, "No, no, no, thou shalt keep it in the ground," um, you know, tomorrow, um, and, uh, and and without recognizing that that doing doing that, literally following through on that would cause massive death and destruction in a place like Kenya and across Africa. Um, right, and so you've got to, you know, it's a transition. It's going to take decades, and and the um, and it has to it has to actually happen. But the way to do it is to um, unleash the trillions of dollars worth of private investment that's required to make the clean thing cheaper and make the dirtier thing more expensive. So carbon pricing is a really really good system. The question is, should it be voluntary and be arbitrated in social media amongst the Twitter, you know, the Twitter sphere, or should it be? um practiced by uh, you know should it be something that's a tax obligation you know if you went if you went and asked um the average twitter user or the average sort of commentator in all things carbon you know what is your view on transfer pricing regulations or thin capitalization rules with regards to the equity debt split between multinationals uh, and how they you know they look at you blankly right because it's it's a uh, boring um and and arcane it's not, where is not Whereas this this emotional issue around um around something that's uh you know that's, that economists and policymakers around the world have have grasped as a tool to actually decarbonize their economies, but has sort of um, in places that, that that politically can't price carbon because of the divided nature of their country, um, like the, the the United States. Then then um, then basically you end up with companies trying to do the right thing. Um, um, and then companies being accused of greenwashing because they're not forced to do the right thing. And so this sort of cycle of, so that's, that's where the, you know, the voluntary market, lots have been written about it, but we, um, um, we, we, uh, I think it's interesting, but I, you know, I wouldn't have built a thesis, um, around, uh, building this industry based on somebody's, um, you know, voluntary, uh, social responsibility commitments, um, because there's very good companies out there that take it seriously. And then there's companies that, um, do yeah. fake it. Yeah. And, uh. I'd rather the taxman come after them um, than uh, than than some guy in the Guardian, because I think the, the I think the taxman's going to be a bit more effective at enforcing the uh, the the obligations on those liability liable entities and in improving the um, state of the legislation, regulations, ordering procedures, yeah. etc.
0: Join us at the Africa Climate Tech and Investment Summit in February, part of Africa Tech Summit Nairobi, where African tech connects. Please visit africatechsummit.com forward slash Nairobi for more details and use discount code GREEN, that's G R E E N and receive a discount off delegate passes.
1: Fascinating. And, and and actually, much of what you're saying is really around how the narrative unfolds, if you like, at a consumer level. Um, because the more people that understand, if you like, the carbon credit market, the, the, the more um, – appreciative they are of the the value add of businesses like yours but equally you also have to um champion the narrative with the consumer on the ground who's looking for cheap access to cooking fuel to feed their kids Uh, and and so my next question is around uh, sort of Uh, go-to-market initiatives what what's been successful for Cocoa Networks what perhaps you thought was going to be successful was less so in 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 selling that narrative into the various stakeholders that a business like Cocoa Networks has and for me correlations are really a a little bit a couple of decades ago I I I spent uh, a couple of years in Kenya um, helping a business launch uh, as a first internet service provider across the African continent and actually you you weren't just uh creating a brand for consumers you're actually teaching them about what the in, the value added of the internet um and and broadband and so there's there was, there' was a real wrestle in trying to look after limited resources of a business. But also champion the potential, which was far greater than that company uh and and what we've seen unfold over the last couple of decades is if you like the the, the benefits of broadband and and the internet to a to, to a continent uh like Africa what you're doing right now is is, is very similar you you you're you're educating lots of different constituencies about the value of um you know getting bias and off your um you know literally to the mud hut in a place like mine in rural Western Kenya. Um, uh, but the benefits are myriad um, and, and global in many respects. Um, what, what's worked for Cocoa Networks in terms of go-to-market? Uh, surprisingly, sir, so, and what, what perhaps less well, if, if you've got examples of that?
2: Sure. Um, so, you know, what's what's interesting around... Um, you know what's interesting around cooking energy is that, that what consumers want is surprisingly universal whether you're a brit a Kenyan, an american australian um uh, you know from japan uh, you, you you want you want um to be able to turn the thing on easily regulate the heat output turn it off cook thing a couple of things concurrently right and, and have you have low-cost fuel or low-cost electricity or gas or a bit low-cost heating energy right so there's a lot of universal sort of wants that, that consumers have that you just see globally. Um, and, uh, so the human requirements, um, irrespective of the types of food we cook and all the qualitative factors, you know, the actual core, um, requ- requirements and not, not that, not rocket science. Um, um, the question is obviously how, how you can, how you can provide those economically and about affordability product market fit of different solutions, etc. Right. But, but the, 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 the consumer, the consumer, what consumers want is, um, is is not that difficult um however you're right i mean it's it's uh, it's um you know it's not exactly an impulse purchase you don't go sort of up the road to buy a can of coke and go oops i'm going to go and buy a white good that that you know is, is uh, uh you know and fundamentally change the way that i i, I have uh, you know heating energy delivered in my home um so it's a considered purchase we're introducing a new brand right so that was a big task a new category like what is this thing you see you see our micro um, you know that are going on, and we don't necessarily explain what it is. We explain what it's not: not gas, not charcoal, not kerosene. Right? It's what is it? It's cocoa fuel. And uh, and if people ask, of course, it's bioethanol cooking fuels made from 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 sugarcane up in the Western Kenya. Right. But 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 um, but the point is, it's um, it's a whole new category. Um, and then there's a consumer consumer product, right? Uh, the, the 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 customer premises equipment is there as well that they need to understand, they need to purchase, they need to know how to use. Right. So there's some slightly different behaviors um, um you know it's it's safer than gas um, um but it, but and, and you don't have to you know wait 20 minutes like you do with charcoal to get the charcoal ready before you can start your cup of tea in the morning so there's you know there's there's a there's a a few things that are required and the um and the uh, approach to solving for that has been um has been uh a, a, you know a a a really sort of heavy push um on the streets yeah it's it's been um you know nowadays it's 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 um shopkeeper partners that are doing 80 percent of our customer acquisition but in the early days it was our direct sales team um what they call activations or roadshows in Kenya right is the is the you know street you know street parties right with a with a with a truck with speakers and explaining the whole thing uh, you know direct sales force uh, and yes we did some tv radio and yes we did online and all of that but this is not um you know it's it's you know it, it, it's technology enabled our business but If you just try, you know, solving this problem in the real economy requires a bit more than an app, right? And so so sort of trying to design for where customers are and then figuring out technology um, that could support that process rather than, um, you know, rather than forcing the technology onto a consumer, you know, we have an app but you don't need it as a customer. Yeah. Um. um uh, you know. Um, we do take mobile payments and have a payments and settlement system, but if people want to pay cash to the shopkeepers, they can do that. Right. And so, this is not a niche product. This is mass, mass, mass market. And, and uh, in fact, the name, um, Coco, actually means uh, uh, means grandmother in uh, in Luo, as you know. Uh, and and uh, uh, and and the logic there is around you know who, who is the who is the least most likely to switch to a new new technology the most set in their ways right it's it's typically the grandmother right if it's a adoption of internet adoption of mpesa M- adoption of any new technology smartphones right she, she's the one the one to crack anyone can sell to the teenager right but but uh, so so we we've had a vision of being able to solve this problem on, on a universal basis so the hardest the hardest customer profile to crack is the grandmother and that was that was that was where we came up with that from um but uh but yeah, it's it's a it's a marketing, um, direct sales, agent network management, strong customer service. You know, ultimately, a place like Kenya is a heavy word of mouth economy. There's low institutional trust, but high um, uh, ultra local social communal communal trust, right? And so, letting you know the shopkeeper partners that we have, they they basically let us into their world, into their you know they've been there for several years they know all their customers so we we benefited from their social commercial relationships with their customers and crafted a an, uh, commercial arrangement that made sense from them from a risk return perspective right and and therefore we didn't have to come in as a as a big foreign company saying hey here's a new thing but 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 not not cutting in the local community and not having our frontline sales and service essentially be trusted people that had been there entrepreneurs you know prosperous shopkeepers in their own neighborhood slum Right, that 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 uh, that uh, are equipped with a demonstration, right, a, a kit to enable people to touch it and feel it and see the heat and so all of that heavy lift, um, that was what was required to create this this sort of flywheel where we've been able to now you know now get it up to you know ten thousand households a week in an energy utility that involves that that really significant switch right that's that's unusual um, in in a, I don't think there's been a uh, really a consumer business that's been able to go from um, you know, nil to, to to a third of an entire metropolis. Um, in 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 a you know, certainly not an energy business. Um, certainly not a physical you know business that involves um, you know uh, in atom, atoms as well as bits, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, some some software social businesses, free stuff, is scale like that, but but. Something that's this operationally complex. It's unusual.
1: Fascinating. Fascinating. I've, I've got one more question. If I've got time uh, to, to put that to you. And it's more the longer arc of say 10, 20, maybe even 50 years from now. And th- this is a creative question uh, and one, one I'd just like your, your creative answer for. I appreciate you're an accountant, but, uh, but it's to get the creative juices flowing here. Um, imagine or project yourself into a future many years from now. Uh, where africa transitions to net zero without any of the apocalyptic apocalyptic outcomes that some envisage what 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 picture or image comes to mind about africa in that vision or or that dream um what what what, what images get conjured up as you think of that successful future
2: yeah really good question i mean i'm i'm a i'm an optimist in general but including about about africa um I, I just think that it's um, that there will be um, you know, n- new solutions that are that are developed um, with and for and by um, uh, folks that encompass the um, realities of um, the economic reality, right? I mean, let's let's you know let's let's not you know let's not sort of dress it up. The challenge you're solving for is mass market um wallets and the capacity of mass market wallets to afford um the goods and services on a copy paste basis from from wealthier places yeah you, you can't you're going to have to innovate and so you, you you know you're seeing that with um uh you know you saw that with telephony you saw that with in some respects with financial services um you know we, i think we've essentially you know skipped over the era of cash atms and and have you know in kenya we have got, Hundred thousand plus human ATMs that play the cash in and cash out function of France. So, so you know, that's a financial services innovation that was that was born in Kenya with with mobile money. Everyone's excited about the the the, the moving you know USSD text to send money to each other. But what really made it work was this um, melding of um, humans, uh, the, 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 the workforce, the, the entrepreneurial energy of of of, of uh, you know hustler Kenyans, you know and and a company providing that technology. And so, you know, that's what's that's what's making it, you know, why are we called networks? People think we're a network of ATMs. We're not. We're a network of entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's 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 the shopkeeper partners. You know, you go to our head of agent network and ask him who our agents are. He said, Well we partner with founders. Yeah, that's what we do. We partner with founders. And these are, you know, mum and pop entrepreneurs that set the business up, that that think and act you know, they're, they're far more productive than employees, right? We don't partner with the prosperous guy that's got ten shops and then, you know, you know somebody manning the till, right, and somebody doing the security because they're just not mm-hmm. as productive. Yeah. And it's the, 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 so, 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 what else might we be able to do to strengthen the 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 the, 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 the commercial offering, of goods and services provided by our founder partners in the neighborhoods, and and use the aggregation capacity. The, the technology development capacity the the access to capital um, the the capacity to you know dream up um, invent manufacture at scale in house and distribute um, goods and services that are actually built for uh, the, the 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 reality of the mass market not just where people want um, you know consumers to be but where they actually are today and I suspect that you know we're not the only ones doing this I mean people are doing this uh, you know, immobility is a big focus, um, right? And everyone's excited about that, but it's it's exactly the same thing, right? It's not going to be Tesla, right? It's it's going to be you know two-wheeled uh, uh, boaters with battery swapping, and uh, and probably, you know, and, and definitely uh, uh, you know electric buses uh, for for mass transport and definitely sort of you know sub one-ton loads for last-mile goods distribution to these small shops, right, with small trucks. You know, it's not the sort of the big heavy intermodal trucks that you need in America. It's small trucks trucks that can get into the neighborhoods, right? And so there's a whole bunch of there's I think a wave of um innovation at the intersects between between bits and atoms that will make um you know, I I, I I'm not a sort of a wakanda guy, um, but I'm also I d I also I also do not think it looks like um, you know, Singapore. Um, you know, in, in, in you know, I think it's I think it's going to be something that is um you are still going to have um you know, massive Gini coefficient problem. You're still gonna have immensely wealthy people and and immensely poor people um, coexisting. You're gonna have, you know, huge population growth, huge urbanization, so you're gonna have massive challenges to solve in food, energy, water, sanitation. But I do think that those, the solutions are out there. And I do think that you're going to, um, you know, you're going to have the um, cycle that we saw in other parts of the world where, um, where governance improves. Yeah, where, where politicians um, start acting in the public interest, um, yeah, and and, uh, and that's starting to happen in some nations. It's 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 behind in other nations, right? And the same sort of cycle of corruption and 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 incompetence that, that, that keeps Africa down. And you do see that, but uh, you know, you go you go to the history of uh, Australia, where I'm from, America, UK, Europe. I mean, there was some pretty nasty stuff that happened. Uh, in history, in terms of uh, governance and corruption in those nations as well, and so it's it's a, I, I do think it's a um, th- there is an arc of progress, and I think Africa is definitely on it. Um, and and so I'm a I'm a huge optimist about the future, but I'm also a realist about um, that it it just to to, to take a um, you know, to take a sort of a copy paste approach, you know, we'll do X, but for Africa, um, that's um, probably not going to work in most use cases.
1: No, that's fantastic. That's uh, that's a beautifully insightful um, uh, answer. I sense these are the sorts of things you'll be wrestling with in Cocoa uh, Labs, uh, where you're trying to inspire and spur that innovation, but making it practical and relevant and applicable. um, Because ultimately, you're interested in some, you know, scaling uh, and innovating in a way that, you know, Pushes the needle for consumers, for governments, for for enterprise. So, yeah, I I think it forces me to just say thank you very much, Greg. Um, it's been a fascinating conversation. Um, really looking forward to uh, talking to your peers uh, and, and 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 authoring uh, the Africa Tech Summits a climate tech and investment report in the run up to, 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 February and, 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 and audiences like ours, uh, on this podcast, enjoying the insights folk like you share who are really at the coalface, um, for want of a better word in, in terms of energy, uh, in, in innovating in, in places like Africa. So uh, thank you very much for your time, Greg, and all the best to Coco Networks, uh, in the near and distant future. Um, but thank you for spending time with us on, on this podcast. Thanks, Boko. really enjoyed it. Cheers.
0: Join us at the Africa Climate Tech and Investment Summit in February, part of Africa Tech Summit Nairobi, where African tech connects. Please visit africatechsummit.com forward slash Nairobi for more details and use discount code GREEN, that's G-R-E-E-N, and receive a discount off delegate passes. To hear our latest episodes, please subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app. You can also visit africatechsummit.com for our upcoming events and news.